Hey, welcome to Real Talk, episode 124. I'm Todd, this is AJ, and we're back. Back on the streets of the Real Talk Nation. Got nothing else, I can't rhyme. So this is going to become a thing now, I see. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks, Tim. He's the one who brought it up to you. It's and true, man. All you think about is songs. So, anyway, you, Timmy. welcome to Real Talk. What is it? It's an opportunity to talk about life, God, the Bible, everything in between. You have questions, we have thoughts, and sometimes answers. Somewhere around this video, podcast, wherever you're watching this, you're going to see a link. www.theremnant.life slash real dash talk. That's R-E-A-L for real. Click it. Go all the way down to the bottom of the page to submit a question. Hit it. The button. It's going to pop up a little form fillable box. Tippity tap your questions or topics in there. And it goes into our database completely anonymously. doesn't matter if you're in the Czech Republic, New Zealand. Washington State, Canada, Mexico, anywhere it anywhere. is, you too can use this link. That's right, man. Now, to be fair, probably should use English. Uh, I can read some Spanish, but I certainly don't speak Russian or yes. anything else. Yes, please. Please, English. That would, <laughs> that would be rough. No, Even though... I guess Google, we could use Google Translate. Yeah, it's true. Never yeah. mind. Just Google, use whatever language you want. Yeah, Google Translate is going to immediately take How are we going to answer it in a way they understand me? Anyway, the point is, this show really has reached over 30 different states, 11 different countries. And, um, yeah, that's thanks to you guys, those regular viewers who are interested in these kinds of, uh, you know, forums where people can talk about these kinds that's of things. That's right. So, thank you. that's really it. I'm going to start off by saying this. It's important. I feel a strange dizziness today. Uh, and so in case I pass out or something, you know why. Just going to preface that. I feel like I need to Hopefully, in the midst of him passing out, we can wake you up and the show go on. <laughs> yep. And while he was talking, he bought me time to blow my nose. That's what that crazy sound was. <clears throat> I really do feel weirdly dizzy. Happened right as we started filming. Allergy season, man. I took all my stuff. Yeah, I took, I know I've been taking my allergy medicine too, and honestly, it hasn't really, it's weird, it hasn't been making much of a difference. Like, I know I took one earlier today, <clears throat> excuse me, and like even now, like it's kind of hard to speak sometimes because like you got all that phlegm caught up in your throat and all that mucus up in your nasal cavity. It's kind of hard to catch a breath sometimes when you're speaking so much, so like, yeah, it's tough. So apologize ahead of time if there's any weird noises. <laughs> And or I pass out. Just <laughs> in case Todd does pass out, we do have smelling salts on hand. This is true. So we will be able, it'll be a short break in the podcast. Instant revival. <laughs> that's but that's reassuring. <laughs> I forgot. And people are wondering, yeah, we really do have smelling salts. It's a long story. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's a good use for it. So, so you know, we have asked people to come through and give us their thoughts and their real questions. And and we that link is open 24-7, 365. That's right. It never closes. We, yep. And we want, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it means. So, um, oh, man, that just made me laugh so hard for some reason. So we asked people for good topics and questions, and you guys came through. I want you to understand, being distracted Combined with this strange head, whatever I'm feeling, um, I don't know if I can think clearly. <laughs> Listen, man, that's on me. <laughs> no, it isn't. That's not on you that my brain isn't working. Anyway, so we got a lot of great questions. Today's probably going to be one of those days when we really try to just dive into the topics. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, keep asking them, uh, particularly ones that maybe you've thought about or, you know, something that we don't mention a lot. But if you're a Christian out there, you're a long-term watcher or listener to this podcast slash show, one of the things that you can think of also is, are there people in your life, family or friends who have asked you questions that you didn't feel equipped to answer? Hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that's, yeah. you made that point earlier in a, in a post you made. I think that's, that's beautiful because I think a lot of people kind of get the idea that that's not what this is for. Yeah. Perfect place for it. Absolutely. Perfect place for that. So we'll dive right in. I've got, we've got our lists. We've got our questions. It's a lot, man. We, I'm excited. There's a lot of them. He's right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start. So, <clears throat> are you ready? First question of the day. Let's get it. 
Activists claim that changing sex is a way to solve your problems, but will it will, will it really make you happy? Some experts aren't so sure. So there's an article here um, from I, who is this RT? Do you know? I actually don't know. Uh, I was trying to look earlier, and I I didn't really see. I want to know what the RT stands for, but I have no idea. Well, clearly, just RT.com. Yeah, we probably should have looked that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so like an about us section. No. Just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, the article, we we are not endorsing the article. We're just going, They share, whoever asked this question shared an article with us mm-hmm. from this page, and we went to it. I don't really know what that is. Um, so, anyway, the article said, go back in time here. <sighs> I told you, man, my brain. <laughs> I get it, man. Uh, the headline for the article is, it's in World News. Activists claim that changing sex is a way to solve your problems, but really make you happy. Some experts aren't so sure. Mm-hmm. We both have read those articles, yes. correct? Yes, and there's just some, I took a couple quotes away from it, man. It's just so, what are your thoughts on that, I guess, as you read what they say? So, first and foremost, there was just a couple of statistics that came along with this article, um, and I'll just give you guys a couple that stick out to me. Um, first one here is 11.5% of all U.S. adults born between 1997 and 2002 uh, are saying that they are bisexual, and about 2% each identifying as gay, lesbian, or transgender. That's a high percentage, man. It's a very high percentage. And in the U.K., it was reported last year that the number of gender identity patients younger than 18 referred to the gender identity... Identity Development Service for Children and Adolescents, which is run by the uh, Tavistock Clinic, grew from 77 in 2009 to 2,590 in, 20, in 2018 to 19. So just with a couple of those, man, I was just so, like, we've, we've kind of briefly mentioned this, like, this up in statistic before, but it's just staggering, you know, and I think a lot of it is just all emotionally charged. Uh, it's emotionally charged, you know, I know part of the article that I saw is talking about how a lot of the people, a lot of the, uh, especially uh, the young girls who are wanting to, you know, transition into being a man, they said that a lot of it is just that they were just, it was for attention. It was because they couldn't, they felt like they couldn't fit in and they couldn't find their little niche of, of being in society. So they just kind of went the complete opposite direction. And even then, I even saw that there was, they had interviewed an 18 year old boy and he said that, uh, he was in a family of nine children. He said, I didn't even feel like I existed, so I decided to identify as a transgender, and I got everybody's attention. Three years later, he's detransitioning, and he said it was just an experiment, <laughs> which is a pretty uh, pretty drastic experiment, man. But, like, uh, you know, so a lot of my, a lot of the statistics I took from it were, you know, this this current era of, of people. So Gen Z is, is, was one of the focuses I kind of took away from it because – the amount of hike in percentage is insane to me. Oh, absolutely. So um, I think that the article, the person who wrote this article, the right, I think a lot of it is emotionally charged, you know, and it's sad. It's sad to see us in a place right now in society where, you know, because kids aren't feeling like they're fitting in, they just feel like in order to, in order to, you know, to change that and they make the solution being, let's just change my gender. It's just, it's odd. That's something that even when I was a kid, I don't remember that ever be for, even being an option. You know, like, I never thought about that. And this is just, what is this, millennial. So they're the next generation. It's weird. It's crazy to me how, like, one generation from the next, it's just changed entirely. Just even the, 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 the basic outlook of life has changed mm-hmm. so much. And so, I don't know, man. I think I think the right, like, people saying, like, this is going to make you happier, like, Statistics don't show it, man. It, they don't show it. It doesn't support it. Um, so support yeah. what part exactly? It doesn't support that you'll be happier by transitioning into the gender you think you're supposed to be, you know, becoming a transgender. I don't think it, statistically, I don't think it does make you happier. If anything, just like how sin works, it's just like how we can run to alcohol or we can run to sex because it may temporarily fulfill us for what we think we desire when really it just, it never fully, it, it doesn't last. It does not sustain. It goes away. I think this is one of those, it's like a major, they make a major decision to try to fulfill a desire for a moment and they quickly realize, okay, this was a mistake. Yeah, so their argument's going to be that, um, and I want to tell 
the proponents of this increase or the mm-hmm. ones who are supportive of it or don't think it's bad in gender, you know, transgender surgeries, et cetera, and how it's happening in a younger age. Yeah. They're going to say that it's not that there are more of them. It's that it's more socially acceptable to let out your real feelings. So their, their, their conclusion would be that it's always been this way hmm. and people just culturally weren't accepted to be able to say that. Now, I think that's a really arrogant viewpoint because, and let me tell you why, I think it's being a prisoner of the moment. So instead of kind of looking at the culture as this one big thing, we are, we are assuming that we, that what's happening now is the truth, right? It's like that's the norm and everything else before that should be, history should be based around that. So now we're doing it right. They weren't then. So there must be more freedom here hmm. versus, you know, the other argument which is this, and I think there's something in the article that I was going to bring up, a couple things. One would be um, a guy named Walt, who 30 years ago realized he'd made a mistake in his, uh, when he decided to become a woman after spending eight years in a female body. He reversed his sex change. Since then, he has been helping people who regret their transition. Walt calls what he sees uh, now, meaning this movement, a social contagion. This is his exact quotes. I think the Internet and COVID became the incubator for more people talking about it. People went online. They got these transgender chat rooms. I recently worked with four girls in their teens who identified who identified as transgender, and I worked with them for only one or two weeks. They ended up saying they didn't want to be transgender, just their friends were online, and it was a way to connect with people. Yep. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting um, in general. I think if we're going to say, oh, it's just this, we should look at the other way too. You can't say that there hasn't been a trend in media to, I would say, not only normalize it, make it socially acceptable, but to push it and make it desirable. Yes. Right. As, as, a, as an identity. Mm-hmm. I uh, agree. And this is a, a person named, um, okay, well, here's crazy. In Sweden, a report, so this is in a different country, even in Sweden, a report published last year showed that, I don't know if you read this one. Showed that between 2008 and 2018, the number of girls ages 13 to 70, 17. Did you read, read this part? Yep. You read that to them? Uh, oh, no, I did not. I'm so sorry. Yep, that's one of the ones I missed. It was up by 1,500%. Correct. Yep, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it since you didn't say it. Who were diagnosed with gender dysphoria increased by almost 15,000%. That's insane, dude. Yeah. So um, this professor's view is backed by statistics. So this professor Blanchard says this. I think there's a group of adolescents, especially adolescent girls, many more adolescent girls and adolescent boys who are unhappy, unpopular, having difficulty difficulties adjusting to puberty and changes in their body. They go to the Internet and they eventually start moving across adolescents who say, oh, what's wrong with you? It's that you are really a boy. That's the reason for your unhappiness and your awkwardness. So we have these girls who I don't think are really gender dysphoric in any classical sense of the word. They are just unhappy, poorly adjusted girls, maybe with personality disorders, who acquire this label of gender dysphoria as a kind of social contagion. Mm. Um, it's difficult to be a child growing up, deciding how you fit in and how you're relating to people, so this other person agrees. Um, for those who don't seem to fit in or have mental health issues, the trans community may look attractive, like it's an answer to your problems. Mm-hmm. Here's a group you can be a part of and even find relationships in. If it were like in previous generations, they were the people who followed certain types of music or soccer teams. So... Um, I think what should be done. <clears throat> and and this, this Blanchard guy, what's interesting about him is he, we're not even saying we agree with him, but what I find interesting is he is not against gender transition surgery. That's right. I remember so, reading that going, huh. But he thinks, even he, in fact, he says at a certain point you would do it, but he says we believe um, that the first step should be a clinic clinician should try to help them accept their anatomical sex and help them get comfortable body and live in. Um, if that doesn't work, then I think it's reasonable. Hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, because uh, he, he makes a lot of good points. And I, I guess I did find it interesting because I remember reading that part too, and I was like, huh, it's interesting that he even even then still has a part of him that goes, you know what, like, yeah, I think it's okay to do a transition. I was like, huh, Well, wow. my point of that is just saying – even from a non-biblical standpoint, the statistics are pointing to some sort of trend that, you know, everyone who says it's only Christians who hate that. No, there are other people, if you're, if you're God, for lack of a better word, is science, who are saying, hey, no, this backs it up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And he, he goes on to give examples of the person, this Walt guy who changed, 
and then regretted it. He said, I had a girl identified as a boy from the time she was 10. Now she's 13. And when I asked her about why she did it, she said, this is a 13-year-old. Okay, so they don't just make that up typical. I had a very bad dad. She was harmed by her dad, so it was an escape from trying not to feel the pain. She, he says, I worked with an 18-year-old boy who said he was in a family of nine children. He said, I didn't even feel like I existed, so I decided to identify That's as right. transgender, and I got everyone's attention. Three years later, he says he's detransitioning. He was an experiment. So here's the thing. Um, I think it's pretty interesting uh, that, you know, it's not, there are scientists who are saying making these drastic changes aren't actually, doesn't end up helping these people um, always. And I think clearly, you know, as Christians, we can say, well, of course not, because that's not the root issue. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting too, and I, we can move on after this. I think it's, there's a strange obsession in our modern culture with finding identity and sexuality, which is so odd. So I think we kind of glossed over this thought he, he had where he said, you know, back in the day when it was like that, you'd find identity if you didn't know it in a football team or yes. a soccer team. Or, yes. And now sexuality is so, it, it's, it's, it's all, we get asked this question a lot, which we're fine with, but that even shows how big it is in our culture. Right. Uh, the, to me, that was such a cool comparison, what he said, how, like, nowadays they're comparing it to even, like, sports. Like, how mm -hmm. you can relate to people being on the same sport, like, like representing the same sports team. That's so crazy to me. <sighs> so much has changed, man. It's scary. Big shift. You know, great comparison. Because, you know, then, yeah, you could connect with somebody with, like, yeah, I support this. Or, you know, I, I listen to this kind of music. And now it's like, well, you know, making it about sexuality and just such a different top. It's such a different topic to relate on in that sort of sense of making friends. Like how, I don't know, man, it's just, I don't know. It's strange. <laughs> it's something I wouldn't, I guess that's a place where I would have never thought to even try to relate to with people. Mm. So, so I guess just kind of going back to like what I said earlier about even from my, you know, generation to generation, how much has changed. And it happened really rapidly. Very you know, rapidly. We're not decrepitly old. <laughs> no. And it's just it's pretty wild. So moving on. Yes. You're um, up. Let's see. So first question for you, my friend. Do you think God made the water bitter at Mara in Exodus 15 so the Israelites didn't get comfortable and settle short of the promised land? All right. So this section says this for those that are asking. Oh, no. Where did the yellow one go? How did that happen? Oh, there, there. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I took all this time to mark it. If you're listening on the podcast, it's going to sound like pure chaos. <laughs> all right, so um, the Israelites are traveling, trying to make their way to God's promised land. They've escaped the Egyptians. And this is what it says, starting at verse um, 22 in chapter 15. Then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. P.S. I'm, I'm not a linguist, so if I say these incorrectly... Bear with me. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water at Marah because it was bitter. That is why it was named Marah. Marah means bitterness or bitter. The people grumbled to Moses, what are we going to drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. And uh, so... He, actually, this is kind of interesting. So right after that, he said, he, Moses, made a statute and ordinance for them at Mar, and he tested them there. He said, if you will carefully obey the Lord your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands, and keep all of his statutes. I will not inflict any illness on you. I inflict it on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Pretty cool. So what does that mean? They, go, they show up. They actually find water after being... We can't wander in the desert. So thirsty. Mm -hmm. They get down to drink it, and it's bad water. So whether it was you know, fetid, which means just bad, uh, you know, stagnant, whatever, it wasn't good, and it was bitter, and they couldn't drink it. It wasn't drinkable water. So they start mm -hmm. grumbling and complaining to Moses and saying, hey, what are we going to do? You let us out here. We're going to die. And Moses is shown a tree, whether it's a tree or stick. It doesn't really matter. Something. He throws it in the water. The water becomes drinkable. <laughs> So uh, I think the reason that this happened was not so that they would not stay at the promised land, but I think it's somewhat similar. I think it was to prove to them two things. Um, 
I, mean, I know they said made it bitter, which it was bitter. So I actually kind of view it a different way, right? Doesn't the question say, did he make the water bitter? Yes, it says... Uh, you don't need to read the whole thing. Did it just say make the water bitter? Yeah, made the water bitter. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I want to make sure I wasn't wrong there. Um, so, you know, when I read it, the water was bitter, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. say anything about him making it bitter. Mm -hmm. um, they came tomorrow, they could not drink the water. So... Uh, it was bitter, and I think it was actually kind of the other way around. God let them be moved, led to a bitter water source so he could show himself and his power and remind them when things got hard and they were beginning to doubt that God was still with them. And importantly enough, that God was still with Moses. Mm. They And it gave an opportunity. It, it sort of backed up Moses' authority, who was speaking as the representative from God, right, to his people, that, hey, I'm still with Moses, and I'm still with you. And even that comment after, trust me, keep following me. Don't worry about all of this, what you're going to drink. I'm going to take care of you. Just keep following me. That makes sense? Yeah, I'm with you, man. That's right. so good. So, great question. Absolutely good question. All right. Uh, here we go. Number two, speaking. And guys, this is just the way they come in, and we made a commitment to answer them all. We're not making uh, you know, a point here or a theme. How does the church feel about trans people who decide to have a kid after they transition. Um, so I'm assuming in this case we're talking about a woman who becomes a man and then has a baby. Um, or about, you know, a couple. Vice versa. Um, so, like you said, you know, we've, we've kind of had similar discussions before on, you know, the transgenders, you know, just the way of life and all this, just in general. We've, we've had a lot of discussions about transgenders. Um, you know, clearly we we love them. I think a lot of people get this misconception that since they are transgender, we think that, the, you know, that's the only reason why they're going to hell, and that's not true. Um, or that we even necessarily think that way when we think about it. Exactly. Like, that's like, not like our we first just, thought. Right, it's to love them. So, you know, in this case, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's right. I don't think that's what God designed us to do in that context. So I, I do think it's sinful. But, uh, you know, my aim is to love them through that. Yes. If, I, if you know, if if they were, if I were to know these people of what was happening, I would do my best to love them through that. So the question is sort of interesting. What do we think about it? I mean, I'm assuming, how do we view them having kids? Well, I mean, I think this is just Todd talking. I think there's a couple interesting things. Isn't it interesting that we say sex and gender doesn't matter, right? And yet, they only a anatomically born woman, female, can have a child. So in a strange way, the act of having a child, assuming they're talking about nat them, they themselves, I think it's, it's a, what an odd, I don't mean this arrogantly, I mean it genuinely, what an odd thing. What an odd thing to be saying, I'm not a woman, but I'm going to do a woman thing. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And acknowledging that, because clearly, and the reason I say this, so I just read a story today, this is weird timing, okay, I didn't know we were going to ask this question. Happened to read a news article where... <laughs> There's a couple, so we have a man who became a woman and a woman who became a man, and they're married to each other. So essentially they swapped. Mm -hmm. Now what's interesting is they had a kid. I just read this. So the woman that is now the man had the child, and then the man who's the woman is trying to breastfeed the child and then going, yeah, for some reason they're latching on, but no milk is coming out. Because you're, you're male. Yeah. Yeah. So it's such an odd thing. And, wow. Um, you know, I think that, so I find it odd in general, and it almost seems irrational, um, the, the, the physical act. Whether or not I think they should have kids, um, you know, I feel like sometimes I hope people aren't trying to corner us, but I'm always going to answer honestly. I don't think that's healthy. No. I think that's going to be very confusing for a child. I agree. Um, you know. So that's kind of how I feel about it. I would agree with you. Um, definitely. That's, all, that's the only thing I would say about it. Yeah, I, I would agree as well. I, it would be very confusing. And yeah, I don't think it's the healthiest thing, clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm up next, aren't I? Yep. Okay. Uh, this is another article. Uh, and it says... Uh, 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 don't do... Remember we said we're going to go back and forth. Oh, my bad, my bad. We just talked about that. Yep. So let me pause the show. This is important. So people, 
think that I'm a jerk to you. And I've brought this up. This has been a running theme to the show since episode one. <laughs> what people don't understand is a couple things. One, we are together all the time. Even the guys in this room. I mean, all the time. We are best friends in a lot of ways. Brothers. We're very close. I love this guy. He loves me. We love Fun Turn. He loves us. Absolutely. But we're around each other all the time. So the little <laughs> things that we each do, and it goes for me too, they're just better at... They're, Fun Turn probably talks more than, than AJ as far as his frustrations, but I certainly am just... I process everything. You guys don't understand that sometimes. They think, like, why are they even... Why is stuff leaking out? They, we are literally trying... We are living life with you guys and letting you in on our friendship. It's true. And sometimes, yeah. like, I just have been thinking about people that might hop in the show goes, why is he passive-aggressive? I'm not passive-aggressive. You're just not always having the context. I don't want to stop the show. So, for instance, we literally spoke about this <laughs> right before we, we got on the show. <laughs> we didn't did. We? You remember this fun turn? You're not with me either. This is one of those days, guys. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, where we said, hey, we've gotten a lot of cultural questions. And I specifically said, so everyone's aware, we were kind of talking, and we all agreed that we should probably go cultural, biblical topic, cultural, because we got a lot of questions. Right, back and forth. And you not only agreed, told me that you were marking them or whatever, and then the moment I'm done, you begin to read <laughs> it again. Like, you just... So, you know, that's what you just heard. Was me going, <laughs> no, we, we agreed on this. That's right. So... That's that. <laughs> that is that. Yes. That is. <laughs> okay. Um, so, real next question is, I see multiple people calling themselves a prophet. I read something that said the Bible said there would be no prophets after Jesus. Is there any place in the Bible that says either way, if there would or wouldn't be prophets after Jesus? So, as everyone knows, most that we don't really do a lot of prep um, for these questions because we want it to be very genuine. Raw. Um, Though we, if we don't know, we'll say we don't know. So here's what I'll say. And the reason I say this, I'm not going to give you specific verses. So you can go look yourself, and I'll do my best. Maybe next week we can add that. But So the role, it depends on what you mean. Because I feel like we've redefined the word prophet a little bit in the context of spiritual gift question or quizzes and questionnaires. So prophecy was definitely a prophet. was one of the spiritual gifts, even in the New Testament. It's mentioned. Um. So, in the sense that someone is speaking for God to his people to kind of add something to what God's already said, I don't believe that is, is, is the case anymore because we have the full Bible, right? We have God's Word. So, there's not as much a necessity as there was early in the church right. to, for God to show everyone exactly how to do things. Does that make sense? Like, yep. directly through someone. That being said, the idea of a prophet or a spiritual gift of someone who kind of, you know, calls people to repentance and calls people to turn back to God. So the sort of sort of the act of prophecy in that sense, because prophecy sometimes, you know, prophets would sometimes foretell things that happened or give symbolism or whatever. But the main purpose was to get people typically to repent and turn back to God and to or to change their ways and, and those kinds of things. So in the context of an act that we live out in the church, is it still active? Yeah, I think so. You know, are there people that who have a gift for that or kind of passionate about that yeah do i think the role of prophet which we would call as a title with a cap you know capital p like elijah and, mm -hmm. and those i don't think that is the case now here's my addendum to that i'm also knowing that god's god and i'm not so could god certainly do that yes and do i think it's within the realm of possibility yes and would i ever say that that's impossible no that's ridiculous then i'm <laughs> telling you know people what God can and cannot do. That's right. Here's the best answer for you, though. Any person that claims to be a prophet, when they speak, especially if they say they're claiming to be a prophet, right, you need to test it against the Word of God. And anything that differentiates from the Bible is a great indicator and proof right then and there that person is not a prophet. Because mm -hmm. a prophet, God will never contradict himself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, kind of like the filter. That's, Does that answer the question, you I think? think? I think it answers the question. You know, I... <laughs> Because I think a lot of people can get confused as to, like, what they're looking for and, and the idea of, like, well, these people call themselves prophets and whatnot. Like, I think you explained it perfectly, man, that that's just somebody who is who is calling people to repentance. You know, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. And I think that um, 
when it comes to, you know, because I've seen a couple of different uh, people who preach that are, you know, somewhat uh, famous. You know, I remember there's a guy that went by Apostle. It was Apostle. Then yeah. I, I don't Apostle. remember his name, but it was Apostle something something. And I was really like, do that. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it's, that's like you said, that's kind of where it gets a little odd because I'm like, I don't. Well, Apostle does not exist. Exactly. That's right? why the it's capital, weird. because apostles were those who learned directly from Jesus. Right. And they were used to set up the church. God used them. So, yeah, someone claiming that name, what an odd thing. And even someone who calls himself, I don't typically walk around and see someone who says, call them Prophet Jane or Prophet Bob as a mm-hmm. title. To me, that's you, someone typically trying to gain authority through God. Through Does the that make title. sense? Yep. Anyway, that's that's my question or response to that. Yeah, it's good, man. Alrighty, moving on. Um, the next one. How do you stay on track when it feels like the whole world is against you? Oh man, um, this is a great question because this is one that I often wrestle through myself because I don't, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think in my own personal life, I don't think I. I necessarily think the world is against me most of the time. I mean, as a Christian, the world's going to hate me. So there sure. is a, there's a sense of truth in that. Mm. Um, but it all goes back to how real you think being a Christian is. And again, I don't know if you are a Christian who asked this question, but I'm, I'm just going to take it as you are, and that's why you may feel like the world's against you. Mm. Um, you have to be grounded in your faith. And what mm. I mean by that is... It has to be real to you. That means that you have to believe that there are, you know, it's not just people you have to worry about. You have to worry about the enemy who's going to try to condemn you, who's going to try to make you not believe in all this, that it is real. And in doing that, if, if, if there's any sort of, you know, success in that, you do tend to think that, you know what, like this is, this is useless. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't win. And then that's when you start getting sucked into the culture of society and the world when we are not of the world mm. and that's not, you know, and then once you're in that, that's a hard hole to dig yourself out of. It's not impossible, but you know, so what do you do? You know, do what you're supposed to do. You know, mm. Jesus Good. has told us that if we love God, with all of our heart, soul, mind and love others as we love ourselves, we'll fulfill, well, we will fulfill the rest of the laws of Christ. That's it. If you do that, you're, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you're going to, I think you're going to feel a lot more peace than you would probably even understand. You know, I think we tend to overcomplicate, overcomplicate that sometimes. And uh, so, I, I, yeah, I guess that's what I have for that. Yeah, I'm going to add to it. I think it's a good answer for that, that side. I think I'm going to add to it the times when it feels like even Christians are against you. Yeah, when everything in life point. just feels like it's going against you. Um, and I love his answer. I think that answers to those people, if that's where you're at. I think this is what I would tell you when you're having those days of discouragement, when it just feels like everything's against you. There is a verse that I used to cling to um, all the time, and it's in Romans, and I believe it's 818 or it's 828. I'll look that up, but it's one of the two. And it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be later revealed to us. Mm. And essentially, that used to, I literally, in the time of my life of complete depression, I had no one... That verse was so encouraging to me to remember that what I'm going through is nothing compared to the to the awesome things that are coming that God has promised me and promised mm-hmm. you. Will that happen? I don't know the time frame of that, but I know that God has promised that, and I know that God is good. And so if you're in the middle of that moment when everything seems dark and everything seems overwhelming, you seem alone, hold on to that kind of, you know, use that verse even. Um and cling on to cling to God and trust that He will come through because He will. I've seen it in my life, and um, and the crazy thing is, is when you do that too, is that the way your faith can end up leading your faith in those moments when it seems when it seems you are most alone can lead to the most incredible opportunities to witness, encourage, and share with people the love of Jesus Christ. It really is. So, yeah, I. Uh, that's, I guess that would be my encouragement. And to know, too, that when you, the Scripture says, when, you, when you're in a suffering, I'm going to paraphrase, consider it an honor because you're participating in the sufferings of Christ. Like, yes. You know, mm. which sounds crazy, other, but it's not. 
Yeah, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. That's Romans 8.18. So have a verse or a couple verses that you can cling to when you're really struggling. Mm, so That's so good. You know what's funny is that you mentioned the other one, too, about, you know, rejoicing in, a, in the midst of a trial. Mm. I actually just used that this week, earlier this week. Really? I posted that in a group. That's funny. That funny. So that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I can't remember. I think, uh, is it Peter? It might be in Peter. I don't know, top of my head. But cool. Great nice. question, though. Thanks for being raw and real, whoever asked that, because mm. I'm sure you helped other people. That was yours, right? Or No, I asked. It's your turn. Yep. Now, we're back to an article. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so this one, so this is the title of it. It's Child Abuse. Washington Post writer blasted for arguing children should, should be exposed to, quote, kink and BDSM at Pride. Yeah, so um, there was a Washington Post article in which the writer, um, his article was titled, Yes, Kink Belongs at Pride Events, and I Want My Kids to See It. It says, writer and former sex worker Lauren Ruello wrote about taking her children to a pride parade five years ago. She said they became confused at the sight of, quote, a bare-chested man in dark sunglasses, suspenders, and a, quote, leather thong, who was, quote, being spanked playfully by a partner with a flog. Um, Though many in the LGBT community have argued against children being exposed to such sexualized elements of pride, Ruello claimed that the experience was a good thing. When my own children caught glimpses of king culture, they got to see that the queer community encompasses so many more non-traditional ways of being, living, and loving, she declared, arguing that parents should hope that their kids encounter kink when they attend pride because children who witness kink culture are reassured that alternative experiences of sexuality and expressions are valid. Um, and then there were critics who have branded Rillel's call for children to be exposed to adult behavior, child abuse, predatory, and the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, I think. Go ahead. I, I'm just, I was just going to say this is a pretty wild one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's pretty. Well, clearly from my perspective, I think it's evil. Uh, if you want my blunt truth, you know, I think it's evil um, because, you know, you're, again, Glorifying to children who are so impressionable um, a lifestyle and, ma- and normalizing a lifestyle and sin. That's right. So that's just the, even that's the deep truth of all this. Okay, and it's just indicative of our culture. We see it everywhere. Um, you know, whether it's this or whether it's sexual, just sexualized things in general. Um, I. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy, and um, but even from a from a non, you know, I don't want to say non-Christian. Christianity is the truth. Okay, it's not a worldview. It's the truth. Hmm. But even if for non-Christians, and they mentioned this, why would you want that? Why would you want that for your children to, to you know, when it's been proven the effects of hypersexualization in young children, meaning exposed to that. Right. right. Yeah. At a young age, it, 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 they're not, their minds are not ready for you that know, kind of stuff. And I, I like that you brought that up because when I was reading, that's what caught my eye too, is even the LGBTQ community themselves even said, this is not okay. Like Some of them. Yeah. Some, yes. A lot of them said, this is, we do not support this. So like, it's funny how even when people are living a lifestyle like they are, you know, like you said, like blunt truth, like they're living in, in the midst of sin all the time, how even then they can even see. Hmm the darkness of what sin, what sin can, where it can go. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing we forget. Sin is not an optional thing. The Bible tells us that sin leads to death. That's not an allegory. It leads to the death of something, right? Sometimes it's physical death when we do wrong, but sometimes it's mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, um, you know, relationship damage, uh, cultural damage. Sin is the word to describe the things that are counter to the way that God intended them to be. And because of that, like a wheel that is falling off a car, you know, it's out of control and it's dangerous and it's going to harm people. So, you know, I think that's what's crazy sometimes about the way people view sin, particularly within the Christian outside, actually. So I was going to say particularly, but really either way, is that they end up viewing it as like, Oh, sin is like just about Christianity and religion. Okay, sin is harm. It harms someone. Mm. 
we call it sin because that's what God, that's what it's called to disobey him. But you could call it whatever you want. The effects are real. Regardless of whether you believe in the term sin or not, you are going to experience its effects if you choose to live out of it. Does that make sense? Yep. So, anyhow. It's good stuff, man. All right, we'll keep going. All right, I believe it is your turn, good sir. Indeed. Um, I'm a part of your church's L.A. program. Okay, L.A. and Lionheart. You guys have heard us mention this. I'll say it really briefly in case you're in another state. It is just a voluntary men and women's group. L.A. is the women's version mm -hmm. in which Lionheart is the males. L.A. stands for lioness arising. It's just being the men and women of God God's called us to be. And each, it's a men's group and a women's group, kind of on a journey, long-lasting journey, six months, where they're in deeper accountability. They have challenges. It's kind mm -hmm. of just excuse me, a cool way to come beside each other in our in our journey, right? Becoming more like Jesus. So that's what it is. I want to make sure to explain that to everyone. Yeah. Um, so I'm a part of your church's LA program. Let me start by saying it's been surprisingly eye-opening, challenging, and beneficial already. We have a daily challenge. So there's daily and monthly challenges, et cetera. We have a daily challenge of asking our spouses how we can help and support them each day. Okay. I really like this one because my spouse is not one who typically will ask for anything. He's very independent. He rarely gives me anything to help with or opens up to me unless he's to the point of upset. Being upset, I said. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'm struggling because as I pursue my role as a wife and I learn about how a wife is a, quote, help meet, end quote, I find myself longing for that. I want to be what God created me to be. How can I, How do I be a help meet to a husband who doesn't seem to want me, want me in that way? Am I failing or doing something wrong? I try to ask him about that, and he just apologizes and says he'll work on it, but I'm not trying to get him to change just to let me join him. I hope this makes sense. Thank you. Hmm. Well, first off, that's really cool, like a really cool way to go about it because I know a lot of the times when you're trying to help somebody or come alongside them, you know, you can <laughs> when, when there's some like when it's not working or, or you feel like you're trying to do it and they're just kind of like, nah, like I can definitely a lot of a lot of times people can get upset. And you're like, you know what? I give up. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> and like, I don't, you know, screw it, essentially. So uh, I think it's really cool, first and foremost, that uh, you're willing to try to walk it out. And like you said, you even find yourself like longing to be able to do this. That's so super cool. I just want to say that. Um, the, the first thing that kind of came to my head about how to continue, you know, on trying to help support your husband in this is ask questions that are maybe more than just how can I, how can I help love you? Maybe ask more personal like questions. Does that make sense? Like asking more personal questions as like far what's as an example for them. Um, listening. So whoever asked that maybe it's more like, Hey, you know, what makes you feel loved instead of how can I help you? Oh, that's a good. That's a good idea. Yeah, because then you know, if you can get them to open up about what makes them feel loved, you know, for example, you know, say like, you know, well, I like when you know you send me, uh, you know, a nice text message or whatever. Now you are coming alongside them and help support and love them because now you've learned something that they appreciate. So that that's my initial thought. Yeah, I think he he's that's that's good. Um, you know, and I think you already mentioned this. Don't get discouraged. Don't let yourself get discouraged just because you don't get the response you want right away. You know, a lot of times we all have been conditioned by time and wounds and stuff in our past to re respond a different way. And you, you said this person is independent. I get that. I'm willing. I'm pretty independent myself um, to a fault sometimes. I would say don't attach your the worth of what you're doing to their response. Oh, that's, yep, yep. So, and here's, this is really subtle, okay? What I'm about to say, and it's not to shame, but sometimes we can ask things, not because we want to support them, but because we want the uh, validation that comes from it. Mm. So is it that he's not responding? I don't know the answer to this. Is it that he's not responding or he's not responding the way you want? Hmm. And... You know, that's just a question for you to ask. Assuming that he's truly not responding, especially if he apologized, that seems like there, there's something in your relationship because men are pretty prideful. For him to apologize sounds to me like a couple of things. I'm, I'm not picking on you. I think this is a great question. One, is he used to you criticizing him? And so he's just, he views it as like another failure when you tell him, hey, 
you're not letting me support you. So then it doesn't mm-hmm. really become about you, about him anyway. It becomes about your hurt again. Does that make sense? Yep. So when you say things like, if you do, and I don't know, um, hey, you know, I want to support you. And you're not doing it. And it really hurts me. Well, right then and there, instead of it supporting him, it's become about your feelings about being supported. Does that mm. make sense? So maybe that's him. I'm not saying it is, but let's say that's an example. If you're if you're catching, if you're honest with yourself and that's you, I would encourage you to not do that, to not not wrap it in condition or shame or or a feeling of like, I will feel this way if you don't let me if me support you. Because then there's this fear of also like, well, what if I pick the wrong way? What if I ask for your support in a way that you don't like and you're still going to be sad? So it's kind of sad that he apologizes because it sounds like maybe he's living in a world where he's just constantly feeling beat down. Um, There is a chance that maybe he's being facetious or being kind of negative. Sorry, you know, if he's doing that, then then don't let that get you down. And um, even the hardest of hearts can soften, and I believe that from Scripture, in the face of, like, Christ-like love, you know. And the Bible says, I believe in Romans, I believe, uh, you know, the idea of... (laughs) Love your enemies for in doing so, right? Your husband's not your enemy, but someone that's tough. You'll be heaping hot coals in her head. And what I mean by that is, what it means by that is, like, you're, there's a lot of ideas on what it means, but essentially, it's uncomfortable and it makes people want to change. So I know when someone loves me radically or is kind to me that sometimes it ends up convicting me. <laughs> yep. But when I feel like they're trying to, it doesn't have the same effect. Does that make sense? I don't know. Those I are just some you. ideas. But yeah, yeah, it sounds like you have a beautiful heart. Don't give up. Uh, yes. Um, and know that at the end of the day, you're honoring God whether your husband sees it or not, and he's proud of you. Amen, dude. Great response. Great question. Yes. All right. Um, I got to ask you one. Why do you think we have so much trouble being joyful as believers? Um, I think a lot of it, you know, and, and Todd has went so in depth on this before, and I just love hearing it every time because it just it just kind of I don't know, it always puts things into perspectives. But I'm sure you've heard before, and we've kind of put out a couple of short clips on it, even in the past about the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes it can be hard to be joyful because we're living in the Shadowlands. You know, we're kind of living in a a carb, a, you know, just a a carbon uh, copy mm-hmm. of what. Eden was, you know. What and, it was to be with God, yeah. Yes, and mm-hmm. so I think we we struggle with that. We struggle with, you know, it's like looking at a blurry field of like. Mm. <laughs> and knowing there's something more. Yeah, yeah. like like it's, 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 in, it's in view, but it's not in, uh, it's in view, but it's not in focus. And I think, you know, it feels just out of reach, and that can, that can kind of suck the joy out of you sometimes because you're like, man, like I see this beauty all around me, but man, it's so hard to appreciate because of all the negative, the, you know, all the negative stuff going on or the sin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, if you let it, it'll, it'll over, overrun you, you know, especially, you know, in times like this, you know, there's just so much going on all the time, all this craziness <laughs> happening. It's very easy to focus on that, you know, and it kind of speaks towards our faith too, man. Like, you know, why are we having trouble being joyful as Christians? Because we're focusing on the bad instead of the good. It goes back to, you know, a faith of, you know, you've asked this question a lot and you've had a lot, you've said a lot of powerful things about sin management and stuff. Like, are you, are you living your faith out and just sin management going, I can't do this. I can't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Are you saying, Mm -hmm. this is what I can do. And this is what I'm I'm going to do it with conviction, (laughs) you know? So I think if we, if we can change our mindset and change our perspective to look at it as you know what? I'm not going to just rely on grace because I suck. I'm going to rely <laughs> on grace because I because I'm free. I think we'd be so much better and we would be joyful. Mm. Man, I really like the way you said that. Um particularly the part where you as Christians you're kind of like all we do is focus on it's a checklist and it's kind of like, it's, it's what God talked about. I mean, we can never keep up with it because there's always something to fix in ourselves <laughs> or something to fix. So, always. it's this weird kind of dichotomy this idea of like resting in who we are and god and but also striving to be better mm-hmm. you know um i love what you said uh, i would you. agree with that and i think the other thing i'd say is you know we don't do what god tells us to do you know we are new creation he says uh, man does not live on bread alone but by the very word of god so he says yeah. spending time with me um he says loving other people you know it's like you know how we can look at a dog like let's say a german shepherd mm-hmm. Um, and 
he's like in this cramped kennel, you know, for weeks or even, you know, a tiny little room. And everyone says, oh, you know, animal activists, and everyone will say, we'll all go, man, that dog is just like, and they get depressed because dogs do, right? And it's because they're not made to live like a chihuahua, right? They're not. They're, they're meant to work and run around and, and right. protect. And it's kind of the same with Christians in the sense of sometimes we, we don't do what we were made to do. And, we're, and whether we know it or not, it's going to be empty and sad, right? And I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about the do's, right? Like loving people and being in community and seeing the good in life and seeing that life as an opportunity to be a light to people, even if they're not a light to you. It gives your life a purpose. That's right. And without man. a purpose, man, life is, is, is empty it's, it's and draining. Yeah. And the other thing is choosing mentally, intellectually to believe God, hmm. believe him, you know, the things he says. And so I don't know if that may, and I don't want to be flipping because that's been something I struggle with. Listen, I'll, I'll be honest. I tend to probably, if you were to say on a spectrum, I, I have battled many bouts of depression. Hmm. Now, whether they were actually, I've, I've even taken antidepressants in the past long ago. So I have battled those moments and there are times when, you know, there's chemical imbalances, but even that comes from a lot of times they say from long periods of depression, right? That's hmm. when you need the the drugs. So then I always think about myself, <clears throat> you know, how long did I let myself fall in that pit? You know? Um, but so I, I, I'm not trying to be flippant about this answer. It's a real thing that I still wrestle with, mm. but I found in my own life that when I live my life for other people and to love people and I'm honest and I have people to walk life out with, that's the other thing. You know, the Christian journey is not meant to be walked alone. No. I mean, that's biblical. So, when I have that, when I'm living in community, real community, meaning people that know you and uh, you know them and your guys are trying to go the same way, it's, a, it's, it's exciting. It's kind of like we talked about a few weeks ago. When I view Christianity as a checklist of do's and don'ts, I become miserable. When I, liter when I view Christianity as me truly, even in this day, following Jesus and just crazy, when that happens, my life is an adventure. I was about to say that. I mean, literally an adventure. It's a word crazy, cool things happen. So adventure. I don't know if that helps at all, guys. I hope but, it, I, and keep it praying. Should. So I, I think that's why Christians, a little bit of a mix of all that. Mm. Sorry to ramble. Oh, no, man. It was good um, stuff. Um, try to bust through at least two more here. Okay, here we go. I think I'm up. Do I need to join a church? Why should I join a church when they have problems of their own? So you said this once again. I use a lot of my stuff that comes from Todd. <laughs> Because he's spoken so much. Well, P.S. Real fast. I appreciate you saying that. But and a lot of things I share with him came from other people. So like the, the concept of the Shadowlands, C.S. Lewis coined that. Plus, it's actually in the Bible, the, the term. So yes, I think I probably built on it, but I I don't. Like we all learn from each other. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. But thank you for acknowledging. No that. problem. Um, I've heard him say a lot. Um, that you know, does going to church make you Christian? No, but you know, Christians go to church. Yeah. <laughs> So, Truth. so, you know, I think that it's important because at the end of the day, if you're being really honest with yourself, the only reason why you don't want to go to church is because you don't want people to invest in you because you probably have something to hide or you have something that you don't want people to know about, you know, and I understand that there can be past hurts. I get that, you know, but once again, you know, don't, don't allow yourself to get stuck in the past from things hurting you, you know, because you never know what you can miss out on by living in that. You know, whether that be, you know, specifically from this question being, you know, why go to church? Like, you don't know the amazing opportunities you could be missing by not going to that church that you feel called to or or you feel it pulling at you. Like, I need to go there. But instead, you're, you're going to miss out, you know. Yeah. So what about the, uh, what do you think about the part, second part of the question, which is why should I join a church when it has problems of its own? Um, I'm assuming they mean kind of like the church is messed up. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, well, I mean. This is a sinful world. <laughs> so anywhere you go and anything you do, there's going to be problems. It's good. So I think that's an excuse. Boom. I don't really have anything to add to it other than what he said is true. You know, uh, you go to church because that's what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. You know, do not neglect to meet as is the habit of some. That's right. uh, the New Testament, there, there would have been no concept that Christians didn't gather. In fact, it tells us to worship together. It tells us to um, be exhorted, to be rebuked, uh, that, to carry each other's burdens so that means to be challenged, to be pushed, to call out sin to each other, to encourage each other, to carry each other's burdens, all those things. Well, you can't do that alone. No. You know, so. Absolutely not. Um, 
and a lot of times what I found in, in even my gener- our generation and is they tend to be like, uh, we had a person tell us before, well, I, I, I'm in community. Me and my friends, we have a bonfire every two weeks. I'm like, that's really cool, and that is community. Yeah. That's not church, so quit lying to yourself. Mm. Um, you know, there is teaching, and there is a lot of different things that happen at a church that's been been we've been told to do. So, uh, yeah, I think. And listen, that quote he said, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but Christians go to church. I, I the reason I kind of coined that for myself is because I was that guy. I was the Christian that didn't yeah. go and justified it. And I, I feel like I'm constantly telling people that because I want them to know, like, I've been there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just speaking it because I was raised in church and think you should. I'm talking, like, well into my Christian journey, I still made that argument. I don't have to. That was my, and that was always my argument. I don't have to go to church. That doesn't save me. Mm-hmm. You know, what a rebellious spirit, you know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. And you said you want to do one more? Yeah, I think that's good. If All you're right. good with it. Um, so we'll do this is our questions are on our phones guys so that's kind of why we're typing and look mm-hmm. I, we've been told that before on by people that watched it's rude of you to be on your phone <laughs> are any of the pharisees or sadducees that john baptized in matthew 3 the same ones that wanted and called for jesus to be crucified <sighs> okay so they said the, the ones that were baptized mm-hmm. all right well here's the answer and it's why we gotta be careful when we read sometimes so mm-hmm. uh, great question though Matthew chapter 3 uh, starts by saying, In the days of John the Baptist, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, and etc. Essentially, he was the one foretold that was going to cry out that, Hey, the Messiah is coming. Mm-hmm. Verse 7 says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the place of his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance, and don't presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham, even from these stones. Every now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to take off his sandals. He himself will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will... Clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn up with a fire that never goes out. John the Baptist, don't play no games. I know, man. <laughs> so John the Baptist. I think you connected two things and um, that weren't kind of, which can happen, misunderstood a section. So you, verse 7 says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to this place of baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, right? He starts. And then it says in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. Okay, you got to remember, though, he's sitting here. There's a line of people coming. He's baptizing them. The Pharisees and Sadducees were not coming to be baptized. Mm-hmm. They would have said that. They were coming to the place of his baptism. We know this because they ended up later on talking about it. They uh, they were there to challenge him, to see what was going on. They did not like the idea that this man was baptizing in the name of the Lord when that's their role. They're the mm-hmm. ones who speak. And they were coming there with not good intentions. And we also know that because of what John says to them. Brood of vipers. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say, you think that you're going to be able to say... I have, I'm saved because I'm Abraham's descendant. He's saying, God can make these stones Abraham's descendant. That's not what's going to save you. Um, repent. And then when he says that, he's saying it to the crowd. I baptize with water. Mm-hmm. Also, it's interesting. There's indication. Maybe they were even saying to him, what do you think you're doing? Mm-hmm. Because why do you, you know. Either way, he knew they were dangerous. We also know because they did it to Jesus. So they were coming um, to cause trouble. And he just told them, hey. You're, you're in trouble. It's a bold man. Yeah. So he did not baptize them uh, at all. They were there, they were not there to be baptized. They were there to challenge him, and, and John called him out for it. Do I believe some of these were the same ones that were saying crucify Jesus? Absolutely. Yeah, in absolutely. Crowd, I do. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well done. Pretty good show. I had fun. Really yeah. Good questions we, asked today. I feel like when we do questions, we just rapid fire them, mm-hmm. and people are like, I, you know. Maybe that's why sometimes they, they're like, what's happening? It doesn't feel as good. Like fun or something? Yeah. I do feel a weird pressure to get through a lot of them. Do you ever feel well, that? When there's a lot of them, sure. But we love it. Keep asking. Yes. I um, love because it. Because sometimes we'll just do a few, like deeper ones. Mm-hmm. We're still planning on doing the kind of live on our Facebook and YouTube or whatever at some point of like one question in depth. Yes. Um, but anyways, in the words. we're so thankful for these questions. This is the stuff I love about Real Talk. When people are asking these real questions. Yeah, man, it gets me thinking. You guys help me too. All right, cool.
Anything else? Uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for watching today uh, or listening. Uh, like you know, like Todd said earlier in the episode, you know, you guys don't realize how, f from you just sharing and being a part of this, how far this can this can go. You know, thirty we've reached thirty states listening to us, and that's just podcasts. That doesn't include you know people watching on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Mm. You know, and also that's that's eleven different countries people are listening to. That's incredible. So thank you guys so much for your faithfulness. Um, if you are watching from Facebook, make sure you like and share. Uh, if you're watching from YouTube, hit that subscribe button with the notification bell so when we do post Real Talk or any other content, it'll pop up your notifications. You can watch it right then and there. Uh, or if you're watching from Rumble, uh, give us a Rumble. Other than that, I love you guys. Fun turn. You got anything? He says no. Hey, thank you guys so much. Thanks uh, to those who sat at the table with us today and asked good questions. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the link is always active, www.theremnant.live. I think it's about it. Yeah. We love you. Appreciate you. Hope you have a great day, and God bless you. <laughs>